0: Leading Ideas Talks Podcast is brought to you by the Lewis Center for Church Leadership of Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington DC. Subscribe free to our weekly e-newsletter, Leading Ideas at churchleadership.com/leadingideas. How can your church help youth claim a vital faith? No question is more critical to the future of the church. Learn effective tips and strategies your congregation can use to improve ministry with teens and their families with 50 Ways to Strengthen Ministry with Youth. Read now, share, and download free at churchleadership.com slash 50 ways. And remember to stay up to date with the latest church leadership strategies and information. Please like and subscribe to this channel and click the bell icon to get updates for new videos. What new approaches to youth ministry are emerging in our post-COVID era? Deech Kirk at the Center for Youth Ministry Training describes some of the common challenges confronting youth ministry today and some of the characteristics of newer, innovative ministry models that are taking shape.
1: Welcome to Leading Ideas Talks. My name is Anne Michael, and I'm a senior consultant with the Lewis Center for Church Leadership. I'm one of the editors of Leading Ideas e-newsletter, and I'm so pleased to be the host for this episode of Leading Ideas Talks. Our guest today is Deech Kirk, who has served since 2006 as the Executive Director of the Center for Youth Ministry Training. He has over 25 years of experience in youth ministry. He's written a couple books on the subject of forming youth, and we just couldn't have a more qualified person with us today to talk about some of the changing contours of youth ministry. So welcome to Leading Ideas Talks, Deech.
2: Thanks, Anne. So glad to be here.
1: Yeah, so um, some of our listeners may not be familiar with the Center for Youth Ministry Training. So to begin with, I wondered if you could say a word about your mission and the work that you do at the center.
2: Sure, of course. Uh, The Center for Youth Ministry Training uh, exists to equip both youth ministers and communities of faith. And we define communities of faith as being both partner uh, churches as well as nonprofit ministries, sometimes a camp or a campus ministry Mm -hmm. and we exist to equip uh, both those youth uh, children college ministers and those communities of faith to develop uh, effective uh, and theologically informed youth ministries and so we do that through three methods we have a graduate residency in youth ministry where we recruit folks both nationally and internationally who feel vocationally called specifically to children or youth ministry and then we place them at, or, in a residency at a local congregation where they serve for three years while also completing their Master's of Arts and Youth Ministry degree through our partnership with Austin Seminary. While they're in those roles, we provide them uh, a veteran minister who gu- guides them as their coach. And so our, our real goal with the residency is to surround um, each resident with everything they need to grow into who God's called them to be. Uh, additionally we have
1: graduates are these seminary graduates or
2: they are enrolled in seminary so they are um, post-college and are um and pursuing a master's level education and uh have entered our residency to because of the support that we are able to provide them in addition to their seminary education Mm -hmm. so um, Mm -hmm. that's a little bit about the residency and then we have um, some Lilly initiatives that we're working on. We have an innovation lab. that uh,
1: Right, we're familiar with that work because one of our graduates leads it. Yeah.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. Megan Hatcher is a Wesley Seminary mm-hmm. grad and leads our innovation lab process. And we have developed this theological innovation process. We're working with congregations across the country to help them um, reimagine what it looks like to do ministry within their context, and especially within the changing social context of our, of our country and world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have a, a Lily project called uh, Theology Together, mm-hmm. and it is an initiative where we are working to uh, help use disruption or disorientation to create space for today's young people to engage in theological reflection. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're really excited about that work, and there be some, we've got some curriculum that'll be coming out this fall that people might want to investigate as we uh, help young people dive deeply into the questions that they have, which we believe will foster faith um, as they pursue both their doubts as well as raise the questions um, that, um, that can be roadblocks. Uh, and yeah,
1: well, there, there, couldn't, there couldn't be a better time to think about disruptive changes <laughs> and how we can respond to those. <laughs> I wondered if in sort of very broad brushstrokes, you could just name um, some of the common challenges that you think churches are facing when it comes to youth ministry today.
2: Um, in in general, I think one of the challenges that exists is that uh, older adults, and you can decide how old, older adults mm-hmm. what, but at some poly adults become. Maybe we were always afraid of ourselves when we were teenagers, but older adults have a fear factor as it relates to. Uh, engaging with teenagers and being in relationship with them um, and I'm not sure uh, that we know all the reasons where that comes from but a lot of it comes out of our own personal adolescent fears and so uh, in many congregations churches just put the youth over there let's put them over there let's find a few people or a individual who can uh, relate to them and let them do their thing and so there's. Often a challenge of integration, uh-huh. um, a generational challenge.
1: Yeah, right, the, to... the siloing of youth ministry. Ab-
2: yeah. Absolutely, and that has existed from the '70s um, uh-huh. or even the '60s when the church imitated parachurch ministries, and that has carried forward um, all the way to today. And I think that's one of the challenges that folks are. Are, mm-hmm. continue to face and so just trying to figure out how to be in those relationships
1: would be yeah I, i'm glad you named that because I, I i've always sensed as as my children were growing up through the adolescent and teenage years that we really are captive to a cultural myth that teenagers are difficult rebellious you know and um that wasn't my experience in in, in parenting teenagers but i think that cultural myth is so dominant and that's one of the reasons why people are kind of afraid of of engaging with teenagers. So I'm really glad you named that. Um, I wanted wanted to ask the same question related to the work that your center does in terms of calling and equipping youth leaders. Um, What are some of the challenges that you see there?
2: Yeah, so um, as it relates to youth ministry right now, one of the challenges that the church, Big C, is facing is that we have a real disconnect um, between, and, and this disconnect has been growing, and maybe we would have even named it um, 30 years ago, that young people had frustrations with the church. Well, what we're experiencing today is that um, that young people are much less present. Uh, the statistics borne out by Barna and other research institutions would suggest that we have fewer and fewer young people in, in church. We have fewer and fewer families attending church. And so, um, in that space, uh, as you unpack some of those statistics and, and look at and talk to young people after young people, they really feel very disconnected from, from the church. Um, what's really interesting around that is that they feel very connected to social justice. They feel really connected to serving and meeting the needs of others, um, uh, mm-hmm. which we would consider works of the church, um, but in their disconnectedness, there's they don't see, um, uh, their critique of the church would be that they don't see the church doing that particular work. And so we're, we're missing a real opportunity there to mm-hmm. connect young people with the mission of Christ in the world. Um, they want to serve others, but they don't have, they're not quite making that connection there. Yeah. And so...
1: If I could follow up on that, I, I, I mean i I've heard so much conversation in recent years about how uh, ministries of justice and service can be a real entry point for younger people into the church. and yet I'm not one hundred percent sure that we really know how to bridge that gap um, and, and 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 kind of make that the the make that visible in a calling card to younger people are 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 you? Are you seeing that happen in effective ways in in any places?
2: So, you know, with the disruption of COVID, um, we we certainly are coming out of a time frame where the church really wasn't doing much of anything, right? So um, a lot of the spaces weren't meeting at all. So the idea that we were serving others uh, became even, uh, there was a greater separation that took place in that, and during that time in that space, Um, But I I think one of the spaces I could point to is um, uh, there's a church, Central United Methodist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, The youth minister there, um, Andrew Mockery, was really intentional about using uh, our theology together process of using disruption. And um, what that invited was for the young people to name the needs that they saw in their community um, and whether that was hunger or whether that was a space of welcome and belonging um, whether it was the anxiety that young people were experiencing as a as a part of growing up in a high pressure um, society for for young people they began to identify those needs and then they began to look for ways that they could live into um, those spaces and, and andrew's work is to be admired there they not only would they then enter into spaces where they were serving others and trying to meet the needs that the young people were naming they were taking taking the time to then make the theological the connection between this person needs a cup of water and what does jesus tell us about that and what does that mean for the nature of who we understand god to be and if we understand god to be this what does this mean for how what it looks like for us to be a disciple of christ and so that that's a space where we've, we've seen that work done uh, and done well. Um, but on the whole, the church is struggling currently to yeah. cover some of that space.
1: Yeah, I, 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 my ears picked up when you were talking about how they were really making theological connections between the work that they were doing. Because I think um, in general, churches do a poor job of that. They may have a lot going in terms of engaging people in social service, but they they aren't doing it in a way that's particularly formative. I, I also was interested uh, in what you said, that the, the youth were actually engaged in helping to discern the areas of service. Because I think so often churches go out there and say, we're doing this wonderful thing. Come and join us instead of, you know, allowing others to help help shape the shape the priorities.
2: So Youth Run is a ministry in Kansas City, um, nonprofit and they have a component of their ministry where they serve in the local schools called Imagine X. Mm. And so it's Imagine whatever it is. And they're using taking middle school students in the school setting and um, having them process the needs of their community. And so um, one of the projects that emerged from Imagine X is that young people realized that there were no swimming pools Um, Mm -hmm. in the lower income communities, which was one of their communities. And so there wasn't access to the fun that comes with playing with water. And as they began to investigate that with the help of some guiding adults, they realized that there was a water desert in all low income areas Mm -hmm. in the city of Kansas City. Um, Those adults even helped them get receive advocacy so that they could speak to the mayor about these things. And eventually they came up with a project to um, create a um well they bought a portable pool and got permission to take it from city park to city park uh in the neighborhood and take it down and reset it up so that people could have access to the fun of playing um and water right so it's a beautiful story and i love the work that they do but because they're in the school systems one of the places that Mm -hmm. there's not as strong a connection is that they don't do the theological reflection at the same level There's some of it that takes place because Youth Front is a Christian organization, and so there's some curiosity that is allowed in those spaces. But when we're able to take that kind of ingenuity among teenagers and bring that together with um, helping them understand how that's in line with God's vision for the world, then we're moving towards, you know, vocational alignment with young people, which is very exciting.
1: Yeah. So you very briefly mentioned COVID, but I, but I wanted to drill down on that a bit. I mean, I think COVID has changed the contours of so many aspects of church life. But my guess is, at least based on the experience in my own church, is that it's been particularly disruptive and I would say even devastating to to some of the work that local churches are doing in youth ministry. Uh, and I, I just wondered if you could share what what you're seeing uh both through and coming out of the pandemic in terms of its impact on on youth ministry
2: sure yeah i would devastating is the word i would choose um it's very rare the congregation that was able to fold those pieces together and Mm -hmm. and then and and then to move forward there are some that are out there but they're very few in number the majority of congregations are rebuilding and um we are uh, in the youth ministry world, it's not too. It is different, but in some ways, it's similar to having lost a youth minister, and you lose the junior, sophomore, juniors, and seniors who are connected to them because they now feel disconnected. and And you almost bring in you're bringing in a new youth minister, and they're starting to rebuild with middle school, right? And working back toward that. That's something I think the church has experienced over the years and we really lost, um, a lot of time, precious time with the young people who were in their, um, uh, early high school years. That's carried them all the way into college, especially that, that group. Oh my gosh. Who, who transitioned from high school to college as a part of that, their disconnect from, but we're the disconnect from the church is very strong for them um their disconnect from wesley foundations or Kirks mm-hmm. or other campus ministries isn't there and so there's this there's a real gap and a hole um that's one component of what we're seeing is that you know there's just a struggle to rebuild mm-hmm. um that the church is experiencing a hole. and then of course i know you would be familiar because um the center is focused on this too but the mental health of young people uh mm-hmm. which was which was a crisis in our country prior to covid and has just been escalated um, post COVID uh, is a, a real uh, concern for those who are seeking to do youth and children's ministry. Um, they young people always need a place to belong, help with identity, um, want to discover their purpose and calling. Those things haven't changed, but the context of the um, met, the The mental health impact of young people right now to be able to hear like the guitars and games are really important to youth ministry don't get me wrong i love guitars i love games but right now the need to be cared for um and to be known uh the size the the isolation that young people have experienced um like their social dynamics are are really low because they've spent years not yeah. We're being told not to do those things. Right. Right. So we'll talk and um, and that's really, really significant and in, is an important part of how we prepare youth ministers, but also how we welcome young people into our space is realizing that just because they come through the door doesn't mean that they actually have the social skills right now to interact with each other.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because I had intended to ask about that. I mean, you read so much about the loneliness and the mental health challenges among youth. And I I mean, you know, what does it mean for how how a local church is going to be in ministry to youth? I mean, I I mean, I I think I heard you just say being really welcoming and aware. But but what 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 more can a, a local church do to respond to this crisis?
2: yeah I think we're gonna um we're gonna have to learn uh, and we're gonna need to learn really fast but with nearly one in three young people experiencing a social anxiety disorder
1: mm-hmm.
2: wow um the need to ensure that those who are working with our teenagers are able to identify and and their children right it's not just teenagers those same social disorders anxiety disorders are... Have emerged among among our children as well. Um, we will have to prepare uh, both staff and lay people to mm-hmm. both be aware, but also to have a sense of how do we respond. And yeah. um, similar to, it's just a need that needs <laughs> the need that needs to be met. Similar to someone who's hungry not being able to hear the gospel from you until you've met their physical need of hunger mm-hmm. i believe that we will struggle for young with young people right now for them to be able to understand how how can they understand what it means to be a part of the body of christ until we've helped them now our theology would tell us that helping them understand the body of christ will be a way in which we can help them address uh the social anxiety and
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Components they're 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 missing, but there's there's a learned knowledge there that will be really necessary as we try to respond to this time and space in which yeah. uh, young people um, have have experienced that yeah. is d- different than anything we've ever experienced before.
1: You know, I think there are just so many areas of church life these days where we can just palpably feel the rumbles of of paradigm changing. You know, whether it's worship and attendance or church finances or faith formation more broadly. I mean, I think we're all aware that, that, that things are really uh, changing. And, and we have known for a long time that the old Sunday night church basement youth group, a paradigm that we all grew up with, is, is, is not really um, the future of youth ministry. And so I, I wondered maybe how, how you see some of the um, new, more innovative ways of being in ministry with youth taking shape.
2: Yeah, that's a nice, broad question. (laughs) Um, uh, I think it's really important to note, when when the Center for Youth Ministry Training visits with a church about potentially partnering with us, as we meet with the leadership of that church, they nearly always imagine youth ministry to be what we think of as 90s youth ministry. Um, that's what they have in their head that they think that that's what their church needs. And, Mm. and maybe our evangelical brothers and sisters aren't helping us with that because they still, um, have a lot of that going, but, um, youth ministry has the paradigm has to shift. And I think we're, we're in that shift so I can name some spaces and and yet we're, we're on the way towards writing the books, so to speak that people will read around ideas that other people can seek to employ. Um, But we see uh, among our graduates a real focus on creating um, space of rest and belonging. Um, Becca Bybee is uh, down at Trinity United Methodist Church in Huntsville, Alabama. And as a part of her work, they Their young people named the fact that they didn't know how to rest. They didn't know how to take Sabbath. Um, They didn't even understand quite what that looked like. And so they went through a process of uh, discovering what Sabbath and rest looks like uh, that they've now embedded into all forms of their youth ministry. And so that's really counter cultural to the lights and flashing and guitars and games and, you know, messy games that we think of from the past, that the idea, one of the pieces that they're bringing Trinity's bringing to the table is, is that this is a place where you can come and like, just be right. You can just live into the fact that you belong here. You're welcome here and you can find Sabbath here. Mm -hmm. That's really, that's a really interesting Uh, shift and dynamic uh to imagine those things what's really interesting at trinity was is as the adults in the congregation found out that the youth were working on this project they're like wait we we don't (laughs) know how to we don't know how to rest either and so the entire congregation um had a year of jubilee where they cut back on the numbers of programs that they offered and then they ensured that they were um, uh, practicing uh, practices of Sabbath and rest as a part of their their ministries throughout the entire congregation. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's a really different type shift. I think of of Justin Justin's uh, down in Houston, Alabama, and his um, his ministry is really immersed and developed around gaming
1: mm.
2: now um gaming was really big and continues has been really big for a long time ever since nintendo came out i um, probably sorry so sorry atari ever since atari came out gaming has been a thing but it's a different thing today i'm almost 50 It's a lot different thing today than it was when i was a kid and a couple of us got together to try to play the newest game now they can talk to each other online there's an entire social component that is an involved with it as well. And Justin had grown up a, as a gamer and he realized the um, the opportunity that existed within that group to help create spaces of belonging and otherwise. And um, Justin has been very intentional about creating an outreach to, through his young people who enjoy gaming to those um, who participate in that that space. That connection has allowed him to then bring um, discipleship and Jesus into those spaces and to mm-hmm. invite young people in in a, a very different way yeah. than uh, we've seen the church do that before. Um, and he's had to shift his understanding of what youth group looks like um, to better fit What it looks like to invite those people not just to be together online, but to come together in person. And so um, some of their activities uh, look a little bit different. Um, Like uh, some of his gamers were really also into Legos. And I don't think of Lego construction being a youth ministry game. But if you can get young people to come together around Legos... And also incorporate jesus then you know we're moving in the right right kind of um direction as it relates to that
1: Yeah, um, we actually want lego sunday school in our in our church in the summertime so it's not just yeah it's too, yeah
2: yeah no legos uh yeah there's all, all there. kinds of legos now um i i think about uh first methodist fort worth um they have one of similar to um, many high income affluent areas, the young people in their community were naming the fact they felt extraordinary stress and pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I overheard that as their team was working on something, a young person named the fact that he wished his parents would just put his picture on the refrigerator like they did when they were a kid when he was a kid and it wasn't a reference i mean he's a high school senior he's not still drawing pictures but he was naming the fact that it used to be that he felt like whatever he did no matter how bad it was it was good enough right yeah and he was claiming this space that he felt this extraordinary pressure that nothing he did was good enough and he went they, they ended up naming that they had extreme fear of failure And so that youth ministry began to build into their time, um, feel safe components, opportunities to intentionally fail for fun. And I think what those three things, very different things have in common is that they're seeking out to understand the needs that young people are naming and then looking for creative, creative ways to respond to those. And in Mm -hmm. all those situations, the young people are part of the solution. Yeah, I think I think that is a big part when we think about mental health. When we think about the challenges that the church is facing as it relates connecting with young people, a lot of it will be around the adaptability and the creative creativity of inviting young people into helping be a part of their own solution, and then imbuing that with theological reflection. Because each of those spaces we just described creates tremendous opportunity for theological reflection, and, um, and discipleship.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for tying that all together. That, that, that was really very helpful. Um, I want to move on to the subject of um, leadership for youth programs. I think whether a church has a paid staff person for youth, and most don't, I mean, you know, or whether they're relying on volunteer leadership, I think so many churches are finding it challenging to get and keep the right adult leadership team. Uh, And I wondered if you have any advice on that front.
2: Hanging on to good volunteers has a lot to do with making sure that they have, that they're equipped. Um, If they they are willing to do this work, are we providing them the resources and the equipping and the training that they need Mm -hmm. um, to be able to do this well? Uh, Because if they feel like they're not succeeding, um, then they are are not going to stay with it. And then in support... Um, I love teenagers, um, and I have been with them for 30 years. And so I've got a lot of experience in when it doesn't go right, not what going home, feeling like I'm a failure. Um, but I know many a volunteer who is new to ministry where it gets derailed. They were watching the Yankees game before they came to the Bible study and they can't quit talking about baseball and you just can't quite get them on track for where you're going or whatever it is. Um, and I think um, a community of support, whether that's the volunteers themselves at your church, who mm-hmm. um, who get together and talk about selectively um, how much they love what they do, but also support each other knowing that it doesn't always go as planned. Um, or if they're um, part-time or a staff person that they're a part of a community of other uh, mm-hmm. youth leaders where they can hear. I think that's one of the most freeing things in the world is to hear that it doesn't go well for everybody else easily yeah. either, that it's hard. Um, so equipping those things and then just appreciation. Um, I, most churches are not the best at appreciating people. So how can we, even if they're not a staff member, um, probably more so if they're not a staff member, um, how can we appreciate the work that they do and ensure that um, we recognize that giving up every Sunday or Wednesday night or Sunday morning is a significant sacrifice and build in opportunities for them to uh, to feel appreciated um, in the, that volunteer work that they do.
1: Yeah, well, th- those, are, those are great lessons, really, in terms of supporting any kind of ministry. So I appreciate you naming those. One final area I wanted to ask you about is the role of parents. I mean, I am not a youth ministry expert, but I've read a fair amount of the research and literature in the last decade or so. And everything that I've read around youth ministry really emphasizes how critical the role of parents is in forming the faith of youth and adolescents. I know you wrote a book uh, a while back called Raising Teens in an Almost Christian World, uh, so I wondered if you could just speak to the role of parents and what congregations can do to help equip and motivate parents with regard to um, their kids' faith development.
2: If the church could do anything right now in youth youth ministry or children's ministry, it would be to equip parents. Um, and that work is going to be essential because the parents, uh, we did a, A small study last summer for a grant proposal we were writing and 75% of the parents 73% of the parents recognized that um, their conversations about faith at home were one of the most significant things that could happen. And 75% of that 75% was uh, felt ill-equipped to have those conversations and so. Um, if we know that faith formation truly takes place in the home, how do we prepare the home for that faith formation to happen, especially in an environment where um, the conditions are that the parents feel, um, well, they're biblically illiterate and uh, theologically, uh, they're not theologically illiterate, So they don't have the tools to theological the reflection and so how can we do that work? That That is the primary emphasis of our theology together work right now yeah. that we're doing at CYMT is to develop resources that will help um, parents be able to have those conversations at home. Yeah. Um,
1: Well, well, thank you for that work. It it sounds like that's exactly the frontier that that is so important right now. And um, thank thank you for all that you're doing, all that you've shared today. This has been a fascinating conversation and I'm really great that you've been willing to take some time to share it with our Leading Ideas audience. So thank you to you, Deech.
0: Of course, Anne, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for Leading Ideas Talks. Please like and subscribe to this channel and click the bell icon to get updates for new videos.